I'm OG Ananobi of the Toronto Raptors, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Double Clutch Podcast. My name's Mike Miller, and I'm joined from uh, the heart of the finest city in America. Oh, no, wait, actually, it's Brooklyn you're in, isn't it? Um, oh. I'm joined by <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend that is Jamie Oppenheim. Uh, how are you doing, buddy? What was that? <laughs> I mean, we Slander haven't talked like this in like a year, and you I come out after my burrow? I know, I know. I, I feel really bad. No, I, I do like Brooklyn for the uh, entire 24 hours I was there last summer. It was pretty lovely. What part of um, Brooklyn were you in? I don't know. It was um, it was by the river. Uh, um, it was kind of like an old um, warehouse, I guess, that they tried to make a bit more sort of artsy and funky and modern and cool. Okay, so you've just described pretty much the whole of Brooklyn. There you go. I was, I was in Brooklyn. <laughs> it, it was a secret location, and I don't remember what it was. So, um, yeah, it had a beautiful view of the, uh, the the city skyline in the evening, but I don't remember. But anyway, we're not here to talk about my uh, random day in Brooklyn. Um, we're, of course, here to discuss the NBA. Um, just before we start, make sure you're following Double Clutch at Double Clutch UK on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you've got any questions or just want to hit us up, email admin at doubleclutch.uk. And whatever you're listening to this podcast on right now, uh, review us. Give us five stars. We love it. And for those of you who are in the UK, sorry, Jamie, it's a bit of a trek for you. Uh, April the 13th, the playoffs start. We're having a playoffs party. If you want to join us, it's in London. I know people are, oh, why is events always in London? Well, because they tend to have bars that are open late enough to watch the NBA. So if you want to come and join us, there's links on all our social media profiles to uh, RSVP. Come join us, watch the NBA. Uh, we've got four games back to back on the opening night, uh, going right through till about 4.30 a.m. our time. So that's going to be brutal for those of us who haven't stayed up that late in a while and done 12 hours straight of, of NBA. Um, but let's get straight into it then, Jamie. And let's let's stay in Brooklyn because you know it's your borough. You you love it. The Brooklyn Nets and the race for the East. How are you feeling about it all? It's looking a little bit bleak after last night, isn't it? After that loss to Toronto, um, you know you've got the four teams that were within one game of each other, and Charlotte still kind of lurking in the background. I'm not going to lie. I, I don't know how optimistic I am about their playoff chances. What, what, do you think they're getting in? Well, they've the big thing has been for the past like 15 games, they have got by far the toughest schedule and they have, they've had by far the toughest schedule. I think now it's, it's dropped to the fourth toughest schedule with three games left, which is you know really useful when you consider the fact that they've got Milwaukee left to play. They've got the heat left to play and they've got, I think the paces are in between those mm-hmm. two games. So that's not an easy easy run to the finish line for you know you you've got a team that hopefully are resting players when you see them but if not they're probably going to beast you all over the court uh you've then got the Pacers who are scrappy and and just have been reasonably impressive to stay afloat uh no they've been impressive to stay afloat after Oladipo's injury and then you've got the Heat who are going to be fighting tooth and nail to 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 beat you and take you out of the playoffs so I I'm becoming less optimistic by the day to be honest and i thought you know a while back they went on this run i think they, did they get up to the sixth seed at one point yeah maybe the fifth they, they you know the, no well never the fifth but definitely the sixth they've had a, a put together some decent runs and it just seems like the schedule has just come and slap them around the back of the head a bit yeah so 
overall, you could kind of break their season into thirds. The first third of the season, eight and 18, they looked like they were heading for the top of the lottery. Um, Karis Levert got hurt. He was playing yep. like a star early on. And then this, the middle third um, schedule eases up. They go on that 19 and five tear. Um, everyone starts talking about Brooklyn. D goes to the All Star game. Everyone's optimistic. Since then, they've gotten to the hard part of their schedule, and we're kind of seeing who this team really is. I know that that middle portion of the season was a lot of fun for pe- for people in Brooklyn, um, and it got people talking about this team. The reality is it's just not indicative of where this team is right now. And we are heading towards that do or die game with Miami um, to see who's going to probably get that last playoff spot. Yeah, they're nine and 11 since the All-Star break, which isn't ideal, floating just below 500. They have a really nice point spread. I like I like it when I see a team where multiple players are averaging double digits that are relatively close together. There's I think there's like six or seven guys on the roster who are who are at that point now. There's a really nice point spread, but weirdly, they are one of the worst teams in the league for assists, and and that that gets my alarm bells ringing a bit. Um, but overall, even if they don't make the playoffs, you've got to like where this team's heading. So I'm going to be the one person that you talk to that thinks the opposite. I think this has been a really fun season. Um, And I said before the year that this was going to be, that the Nets would be more interesting than good or bad. Um, I I think it's difficult to say that, yes, they're about to make a huge surge up the standings in the next two or three years. They still have too many question marks. Um, Karis Levert, obviously, what do you do there? He's been injured now, um, was that four of the last six seasons dating back to college? Um, D'Lo is getting the max. There, there's no way around that. So that's going to eat into your cap space. Um, you're not going to be able to keep the bench that has kind of made you successful and given you that balanced scoring that you just referred to. Um, I have a lot of reservations about the direction that this that this team is headed. I think they could be a very solid team. Um, I'm not so sure that they are able to get any further than maybe the second round of the playoffs if they don't land a marquee free agent this summer. Yeah, that that is going to be the big thing for them. And smattered in amongst that skepticism there was, was obviously D'Angelo Russell getting a max. He's a restricted free agent this summer. If if you held the purse strings, would you re-sign him? I mean, you almost have to at this point. Um, if you asked me on game 26, I, I thought it was clear and obvious that the Nets were going to trade him before the deadline. It was the only sensible decision to make. Um, you needed to, to blow this team up and start from scratch again. And then they, they hit that middle part of their schedule again where... Um, the schedule lightened up and he went on a tear and he's been great. So um, you're going to have to pay him because somebody else will if you don't. I don't know that I would be surprised if they ended up trading him after a year or two. Okay. So you're not fully committed behind the idea of D'Angelo uh, ascending into into NBA stardom um, and leading this franchise going forwards? I mean... I- he can. He has the ability. I'm not sold that he's someone who's actually going to 
um, be the best player on a really, really good team. And I'm also not sold that this is the real D'Angelo Russell. I mean, we haven't seen this player um, for the first 75% of his career. Is this really who he's going to be going forward? So this is contract season, D'Angelo Russell. It could be. This is like make or break. Are you going to be the star that you could have been? Or are you just going to be another average player? And um, that got him going now. I, I don't know if that motivation is always going to be there. Okay. So player personnel aside, um, the coaching staff, the front office, where do you see them going? So obviously, uh, Sean Marks signed a contract extension yesterday. And uh, Woj is reporting that they're pretty far down the line in getting extensions for Kenny Atkinson and his his team. So I, I, happy with that? Yeah, I mean, they've made a, a really fun team out of the worst circumstance that, that any uh, front office has ever walked into in NBA history. Um, you have to give them credit where credit's due. Uh, that said, um, there's a lot that could go wrong on those second contracts now. So they're going to have to find creative ways to produce again after such an amazing turnaround. And uh, obviously, there's a there's a there's a, a max space salary in there coming this season. Um, Howard Beck had a brilliant article. We were talking about it earlier um, about essentially about the markets, uh, the big markets, and the draw of the big markets to to NBA talent and free agents. And obviously, the, the two biggest markets in America are New York and L.A., and there's this really strange sort of breakdown within those two markets of two teams within each city who are polar opposites of each other. Um, do you have any confidence in the Nets being able to haul in you know, a top-level talent this summer? So we're looking at the, the Kevin Durant, the Kawhi Leonard's, that kind of caliber player. I don't. Maybe that's just being a, a, a Nets pessimist. Um, our, our biggest ever free agent signing is probably Alonzo Mourning at the tail end of his career. Um, but yeah, I, I just... Let, let me turn it around to you. Let's just say <laughs> that you are a star small forward and you have the option to go to the Lakers or Knicks or the Clippers or Nets. Where are you going right now? Right now, uh, I'm ruling out the East Coast purely based on weather. You know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm a baller. I like to wear shorts. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then I I think there's so much already attached to the Lakers franchise there that that you are becoming part of something. You are becoming part of the Lakers. I think there's much more opportunity to put your stamp on the Clippers franchise who have you know, been perennial failures until very, very recently where they became relevant. Um, I think that's where I'd go. Okay. But you but see... I, the, I would put a clause in there that they need to revert back to the old unis because those... That, <laughs> that, that, uh, they were nice. I need, I need to be rocking that. Um, go, go ahead, sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, so you see the mindset, though, that, that it takes to want to go to either the Clippers or the Nets in this scenario, right? You want to yeah. be the, some, the person who wants to, you know, set the tone, put your stamp on, on a program and be the guy who changes the franchise's fortunes. 
I don't know that there's enough people out there who want that. They, they want to go to the, the teams that were big when they were growing up. Um, if we're talking about um, football, your favorite sport, they want to go to Manchester United. They, they don't want to be responsible for leading a rebuild or um, not necessarily a rebuild for the Clippers or, or Nets at this stage, but um, taking a team to that level. Yeah, I, I get that. Um, but I think like with the NBA, we're, we're constantly being told that players are a lot more cognizant of everything that it's, you know, that um, they factor, you know, it's not just money, it's all this other stuff. And if that is the case, you know, from my perspective, if they really want to be the best basketball player that they can be, why are they not looking at the management of, or why wouldn't they not look at the management of these franchises and go, you know what, those Knicks have been consistently terrible now for over a decade. It feels like a, it, it feels like a long time. Maybe you know there was there was a, there was a spurt when when Melo could actually play, but you know what did they make with him? A one playoff series. It's just that they're. they're there's got to be a point where you go this from the top down this franchise is being mismanaged is that really the best place for me to go and spend my brief you know peak athletic window i mean we keep getting told that market size doesn't matter when it comes to endorsement deals so if if that is the if that's the case then what really is the draw of new york people keep saying the history of this franchise i feel like i'm ragging on new york a lot um but <laughs> They what they beat up some teams in the nineties when they were reasonably successful, and they won two chips in the seventies. It's like, is that is that really this sort of steeped in glory franchise? I, I don't know. I think there's. I think New York as a franchise has a lot more. Um, there's there's much more of a rose tinted view of them purely because they're New York and it it is the city. I I don't think the Knicks have ever been as good as the city if that makes sense no it does make sense um but to turn it around and i'm not saying this just because i grew up here this is my home it is different (laughs) winning here no and i mean that sincerely yeah winning here is different athletes have said it across all sports it's different to win in new york than it is to win anywhere else and how frequently does you know how frequently are there winners in New York? I mean, well, the Yankees have like 28 world championships. World, they, okay. they won the World Series like 28 times, I think. Um, so, so it does happen. You know, the Giants have four Super Bowl wins. Um, obviously, basketball, not so much. Yeah. Um, it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> and and at, least, at least, you know, it's for the Knicks fans, they've not, you know, it's this isn't a new thing where they've, they've been – mismanaged from the top down there was a point when they turned down signing dr j as well during the aba merger they they took 5.6 million dollars instead territorial fine or something from the nets and they could have taken dr j so you know they have been mismanaged in the past as well i i would have personally taken dr j and, and made more than that in revenue in in my opinion um <laughs> but that's 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 by the by um i just i would love to see the nets pick someone up this summer because it feels like, like you said, you know, they've turned it around from a worst case situation and there is some element of hope and there is an opportunity there for them to 
to to sort of get someone who can take them to another level maybe it's not going to you know bring a championship to to Brooklyn but it it seems to me that they're trending in the right direction no I I tend to agree and I think that for the top free agents KD Kawhi etc they're sort of like the, the trendy pick this is the trendy team of those four um, if, if you're looking to change your image, you go to the Brooklyn Nets. Of the four teams, no question, that's where you go if you're looking to rebrand and get people to see um, see you as someone who's cool and a trendsetter and all that. Is, is there a key free agent you'd like to see them go after? I mean, if you're getting Durant, sign me up. Um, I'm not sold that Kawhi Leonard is the same Kawhi. Um, I, I wouldn't want Jimmy Butler anywhere near, near this team. Um, so I think, I guess, from, from my perspective, it's a little bit limited. Um, h- how do you feel about Kawhi right now? It's really bizarre because he's quite clearly still, although not at peak level, he's still quite clearly a dominant elite player. But he's missed like 25% of the season. Yeah. And the, the Raptors' record without him is fractionally but still fractionally better and that's just i I don't i don't know what to make of that is it's like okay they i could they have sustained that over more than 25 percent of the games i don't know there's a part of me that doubts it but similarly they've managed to frequently adjust to him not being there with relative ease and it makes me feel like he's he you know he's great to have but what he provides this and this sounds really slanderous actually because i actually think yeah I, I think Kawhi is a great 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 talent but it's like what he provides they can get from elsewhere if that makes sense yeah and like the the numbers look amazing right on paper yeah but i i don't know that it's like okay these are the kind of numbers that translate to winning and there's something about his defense that makes me think i don't know that he's 100 percent healthy I'd be yeah, really there's, there's, wary of, of giving him a max contract right now. Yeah, especially when what we know of tendinopathy, if you know, which is the lingering yeah. injury that he he suffered in San Antonio, is that it's something that needs to be managed. It doesn't necessarily ever go away. It's so this is this this could be something that hampers his career going forwards. And if you've got, I mean. Some, someone's going to pay in the max because someone's just yes. going to throw the money at him and take the gamble. But I wonder if there are franchises there who would put in a you know certain threshold. So like like I say, it won't work. So he's just going to turn around and say, well, this this team's offering me the max, no strings. But like you need to be uh, present in X many games in the season. These clauses to to build it in so he gets to the max, but it's also recognizes that if you're not good enough to go, then maybe we keep some of this money back for. You know, other players um but yeah i can't see that happening but okay so of those four teams let's quickly get back to this as a as a brooklynite is that the right word brooklynite sounds yeah, about right we are the brooklynites yep, brilliant. there you go um where would you go you can you can be biased i don't care you can stay in brooklyn purely because you you want to stay home you know home cooking and all that or or where would you go um, so I'm going to give you two answers. Obviously, the, the first choice is Brooklyn. Um, we are better than everyone, so that's where I'd like to stay. 
Um, <laughs> but if I'm making an actual basketball decision, I can't see going against the Lakers. Um, okay. A, they have LeBron, but they also have young pieces who you could either develop or um, move to get um, another a, a third star in there. Um, I, I know that people are high on the Clippers management structure right now. Mm-hmm. Who are you playing with if you sign with the Clippers? Are, are you signing? Are you, are you going to the Clippers for one year of Danilo Gallinari, who's always hurt? I, I don't know who's there that makes you think, yep, this is a situation I want to be in. Jerry West. I just think that guy, is, he's King Midas. He is. He, he'll, he'll flip Gallinari into uh, some overlooked up-and-coming, uh, I don't know, pick a position, doesn't matter, uh, and a couple of picks, and somehow the Clippers yeah. will be five games better. Um, but I mean, if Gallinari was, oh, he, he's such a frustration for me purely because I think his career trajectory would be significantly higher if he'd managed to stay healthy, which yeah. is quite an easy takedown, um, you know, to, to pick at someone who's had health issues. But I, I don't know. In, in Jerry West, I trust he, the man just exudes winning. Um, yeah. Yeah, it is. And um, let's move on. But before that, I, I feel I need to apologize to all the New Yorkers who I've, I've probably <laughs> significantly offended. I love New York. I've been a few times. I'm still going to go back. I love it. I just I'm just I just think maybe the team, the Knicks are a little um, overrated. Uh, that That's it. Um, so let's let's move to a very, very small market, the 45th <laughs> largest market. Let's go to OKC. Um, there was talk before the all-star break that there were three people in the MVP race and that, and that included Paul George since, since all-star things have gone awry. Um, they've gone from being the top defense in the league to being nowhere near as good. They're one of the worst for defensive and offensive efficiency. Uh, when I checked a few days ago now, what has happened from your perspective? I think there's a couple of things at play here. Um, predominantly, this is, you know, a regression to the mean. They weren't ever as good as they were playing early in the season. And we're, we're kind of seeing, you know, who they really are as all the other t- um, teams are kind of gelling and, and gearing up for the playoffs. Like they, they don't have that extra gear that the other teams around them have. Um, and then, as you mentioned, with, with their defensive efficiency, the, the formula early on in, in the season was, okay, we're going to play great defense and then rely on someone to go crazy on offense each night and win the game. And that's a formula that can work. Um, but as, as the defense regresses, it's not going to work as often. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think they can switch it back on? Do you think they can sort out these defensive issues? I think they can, but since we're talking about playoffs now, I'm actually going to be more concerned about their offense. Are they going to be able to to add new wrinkles and execute well enough offensively um, when you're facing a team for the fourth time in a week to score enough points to win? Do do you think they they have that in them? (sighs) Yes and no. The the no being they are not famed for their offensive prowess Mm -hmm. they don't have a ton of shooters the yes being this has been a ridiculously terribly poor any sort of 
any sort of negative word to describe Russell Westbrook's offensive uh, field goal percentage, his shooting percentage, everything. His free throw percentage is, is, is horrific for a guard. Um, and part of me just thinks, he's playing with us. He's playing with us. Something about it, it just doesn't sit right. I mean, he's never been a shooter, but he's definitely been better than he is now. But I, I, he injured his ankle at the start of the season, so I've gone back and forth in my mind. Is he still carrying a little niggle there? He's he's getting on for I say he's getting on. He's not that old, but still for a guy who relies on such athleticism, um, he's not getting any younger. Is it his is it his style of play catching up with him? But to me, in a playoff series, his just sheer force of will could could win them a series. So you think he might be holding something back? Part of me thinks he is. I don't. I, I don't. I don't understand Westbrook anymore. <laughs> like he just. He's just. He's just. He, I can't predict the man. Other than the fact he's going to get a triple double, regardless of what it does to the team, I can't predict what he's going to be like. Um, but he strikes me as the kind of guy who is just sat there, you know, just just waiting for the moment to strike. He's that manipulative, it, and I just think. There's a small part of me, and I'll put my tinfoil hat on for Conspiracy Corner again, <laughs> because there's there's a part of me that sits there going, are they deliberately, and this is really difficult to do, and I appreciate how weird this will sound, are they deliberately aiming for the seventh seed because they're looking at Denver and sort of licking their lips a little bit like, we can have these boys. I, just, I, w- there's the- I wouldn't be surprised. And... That, that I think there's still they're gonna there is if you face that three-headed monster of of Paul George Russell Westbrook and Stephen uh, Aquaman Adams, that is a scary prospect, and I just I just think they I, I'm just concerned that for for other teams that these guys are not that they're playing possum a bit is is kind of how I feel. Because I think the defense is so much easier to switch on than offense, and they've never been great at offense anyway. But now they're just sort of they're just rope doping with the defense a bit, getting getting trying to get back healthy, ready to go, and then come playoffs time they they all they'll turn on the Jets. I I was speaking with a Thunder fan at the weekends, and he, he's genuinely concerned for their prospects. And I'm quietly optimistic that that they won't be as bad as we think they're going to be, which isn't the greatest sort of indictment on them. But I don't know. I, I, I don't trust that they're as bad as they look. Neither At the same time, I don't think they're, you know, a top three team in the West or anything like that. I can't see. I can get see them get into the second round. I think they're then going to struggle. I want to get back to Westbrook, but yep. Thunder Nuggets, who would you be more worried about? In a, in a series, who do you trust less in that first round series? As, as in which franchise? Yeah, which, which team would you be more concerned about getting through? Denver, and that's I, I don't know why either because everything about them this season has told me they're going to be good. But I wonder how easy it's going to be for teams to target Jokic. Uh, a couple of weeks ago I wasn't that concerned. I'm I'm still not overly concerned. He he is a um weak link on defense. He is a target that other teams will attack. But equally every team has a weak link that you're you're 
average NBA coach can quite easily scheme for and target. Um, I think there's an element of inexperience. Mm -hmm. I don't foresee, you know, as the pace drops for the postseason and all that, well, the, you know, the, the Nuggets aren't a quick team anyway, which is kind of indicative of the way they play through the big lumbering giant. Um, but I don't know. I guess it's I guess it's because I've not seen them before in the postseason. There's that element of of trepidation where I'm just like, I'm not sure these guys have it yet, and it's purely because they haven't got it before. Maybe that's a, another simplistic, you know, interpretation of the situation. But I've I've seen the competitive spirit of Westbrook. <laughs> I know what Paul George can do. These guys, they may not be title contenders but their experience suggests I, I think there are there are opportunities there they can take advantage of these these young guys yeah I, i'm kind of in the in the same boat there um I, I trust denver to be able to execute well offensively in the playoffs i'm concerned about the, the lack of consistency that we've seen from their perimeter players this year um i was expecting a bigger jump forward from jamal murray it kind of happened um, Gary Harris has not been the same player. Millsap is showing his age. So I, I don't know that I fully trust them. They did sweep Oklahoma City in the regular season. So that bodes well for them. Mm -hmm. Yep. Still, I, I, I could see them losing in six. Um, and, and I just can't see them getting out of the second round if they do advance. Um, I, I said I wanted to get back to Westbrook. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you about him. I told you that um, earlier this week. Yes. So I'm going to set the scene for you on this one. And I, I want to talk about, I want, I want to know your take on Westbrook's legacy. Okay. So the year is 2029, 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. The United Kingdom is thriving under Prime Minister <laughs> Benny Bonsu. After endless delays, Ciao, Foreign Secretary Ginger Shack got Brexit sorted in a week. One week for Ginger Shack. <laughs> it's you and Joe Holbert hosting Double Clutch live on Sky Sports from their Isleworth studios. <laughs> Wellington had to call out sick, so you'll see Against the Current play a reunion concert at the Seabright Arms in Bethnal Green. So it's just you and Joe. Westbrook has um, announced his retirement. Joe hits you with this question. Mike, where have you got Russell Westbrook in your all-time top 50? Oh, okay, top 50. That's made it a lot more difficult. Um, I think, legacy-wise, time will be kinder to Westbrook. I think there's a, a not an anti-Westbrook movement at the minute, but there's certainly a resentment for what he's doing. But regardless, you know... The, the, the sort of context over the years will change. Um, the numbers are going to stay the same. They're going to look at him and go, well, this guy averaged a triple-double three years straight. Well, this guy was the second guy in history to, to get 20-20-20 or 20-20-21. I, I, I can't see him leading a team to a title. So I, I, in terms of top 50, I think he's, gonna, he's in there. And I'm just trying to think where, like, I, I don't know if I'd have him in the top 30. Oh, this is a good question. I'm brilliantly scripted as well. Um, 
Uh, oh, man. Do you think you have him above or below Allen Iverson? Below Allen Iverson. Iverson's cultural impact is untouchable for, for, for someone like Westbrook, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, his ability to lead a team, that Philly team he led to the finals, was, you know, I've, I remember <laughs> Eric Snow's jump shot. And to, to, to have him as your your your, your secondary guard, uh, and then to Kemi Mutombo, then this is old Mutombo. So any, yeah, he dragged that team to the finals. I don't think I don't think Westbrook is comparable in that sense. I do think though that that the numbers he put he's putting up as as empty as you might say they are, and I I say they are as well to a degree. To do it consistently. It's 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 incredible, and it's tough to place him right because he's yeah, doing all these historic things that haven't been done since Oscar Robertson and and Wilt Chamberlain, and then. And any time you, you get mentioned with those two, <clears throat> Wilt especially, if you're in the same sentence yeah. as Wilt for something, that is just that's just incredible. That is you know life achievement unlocked. But he's not winning. And he's super inefficient in an era where we've learned that efficiency is paramount. Yep. So it's just like, what do you do with this guy? And I, I honestly don't know. Um, I, di- I did a top 50 list uh, for Hoop Magazine earlier this year. Um, Josh and Jabari, the two hosts of the show, they, they both had Westbrook in their top 50. And I hadn't even considered him there yet. Um, I, I think he's going to suffer the same dings as Iverson does um, after his career in terms of the efficiency. But as you mentioned, Iverson resonated with everyone around him. You cannot listen to the man speak without being completely captivated and, and sold on him. And you know that his teammates played hard for him. You get the opposite feeling with Westbrook. And I think that's what the difference is here. Yeah, totally agree. There, there seems to be a a shield from Westbrook that, and an almost like a, a defensive aggression. Uh, so the question he was asked the other day was uh, whether he, he was worried about how the team were playing and he just next, next questioned it. And the, there are situations where he gets at, you know, he gets asked a, a relative, you're going to get asked questions you don't want to hear. And you're going to get asked the same questions over and over. And the reason why is because there's a story there that someone is trying to crack and his reaction to it, like, I get that you're bored with it, but he's just trying to do his job. Give the guy a break. Like, I, his, his, he just needs to chill. Yeah. And Westbrook and, has and, no chill. We don't know how he is with his teammates. We don't get to see that. Sure. But look, Harden, Durant, Ibaka, all gone. All three of them are no longer with the team. Maybe that was all on management. Maybe not. To me, not a great look. Agree. KD's departure definitely has something to do with Westbrook. I think so too. Definitely. Uh, Harden's without was out of his hands. He had, you know, that was. See, we think you're surplus to requirements to a degree, or we can't afford to keep you. We know that. Um, Ibaka, that was just weird that they traded him for. At the time, it looked like an odd trade when they got uh, Oladipo and uh, Sabonis back. But they turned that into Paul George. And any time you can effectively turn Serge Ibaka into Paul George, 
I think I'd pretty much do it because as great as Serge has been this year, he's not he's not the the athletic banger he was, you know, five five Absolutely. years ago or so. He's so I th- I think that's I don't I don't know, but yeah, you're <laughs> right. There is always going to we won't know for definite, and there, therefore there's always a question mark there. But no, I can't see him touching. I can't see him touching Iverson, and I'm trying to think where I'd place him in the top fifty. Joe Hol- I, Joe Holbert is going to be very disappointed in you ten years from now. Just so you what, know, for, for, <laughs> for saying he's top fifty, uh, for not having an answer ready. Well, right. Well, I think I I, I disappoint <laughs> Joe most days. And, <laughs> but okay, no, that that was that was interesting. Um, so that was that was Westbrook's legacy. So two guys who are just starting their legacy. Let's move on to to Luka Doncic um, and a story that's come up this week. It's a video that I saw from the starters. Shout out to, to their amazing show. Um, there is a a group of Trey Young fans, a movement, a collective. I don't know what you would define them as. Um, and I, I, my understanding is they're specifically Trey Young fans, but I'd be intrigued to know if they're more than, you know, it's not just people who identify as, as Trey Young fans, um, who are putting forth the argument that Luca is not a rookie because he played professionally in Europe last year. Um, I, before I say anything, what what's your take, Jamie? <laughs> Yes, there's a, there's a reasonable argument to be made that overseas players have some sort of leg up on college kids. Um, they have more time to practice. They have more uh, access to more resources as professionals overseas. I get that. They're playing against grown men. There's also negatives, though. The game is different. They have to adjust to a new country, a new way of life. Um, I, I don't necessarily buy that they should be excluded from this conversation. Um, I think that both um, European players or players who, who played outside the NBA and college players, they both have a big adjustment to make in their first year. Um, so I, I think that if, if Luca, in your eyes, has had the better season, he should not be disqualified because he played professionally in Europe. I think that's, that's taking it too far. I, I'm going further on this. This angers me. Like I'm sat here now scrunching my face up. Firstly, the NCAA should pay athletes. They are pretty much professionals. <laughs> they they pay the coaches multi-millions, pay the players. They're, they're creating a huge revenue stream, pay the players, end of. Right. Secondly... <laughs> This they flipped the exact argument they used to detract from Luca being the potential number one last summer, which was he's played in Europe. The leagues aren't as good. Europeans are soft, <laughs> and it's taken like eight months for them to for, for, uh, say them. I'm assuming it's the same people to turn around and say, "Oh no, wait, they, he plays against grown men." And, and the other thing is that well, what is stopping guys going and doing that now? Like we've and we've seen very you know we've seen a very small amount of people do this. Terence Ferguson did it. He went to Australia and said, um, Moudier, uh, was Brandon the top Jennings. Ranked high school. Yeah. Brandon Jennings. They went to China. Um, other players have been around and gone to other countries as well. It's not obviously a, a, as big a number of players, but it could be. And, and, and that's why 
and I, I maybe it has prepared him better. There was a story I read earlier this year when all the rookies are sort of still figuring out what to do, and and here comes Luca strolling up driving a Ferrari because he's already made X many million from Real Madrid. <laughs> it just like people to to try and hold that against him is just absurd in my mind. And yes, yes, he is playing against grown men, but he's playing against grown men who, for whatever reason, are not at that point of NBA standard. They are not at that level. Right. And I get that there is only 1.2% of NCAA players who make it into the NBA. So I realize that the proportion of, of talented players in the European league um, is, is more likely to be closer to an NBA level than your average Division One team. So what? They're still not an it's still not an NBA team. He's a kid. He's an eighteen year old kid, probably getting beaten up just as much as 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 people would suggest. Trey maybe now. Not that he is. He's obviously turned on the Jets the second half of the season, and it just oh, I, it just absolutely winds me up. He's a rookie. He's never played in the league before. He is a rookie. That is what a rookie is. Yeah. Then they're, they're a newbie. Like what you can't. We can't. I know this. There was this thing last year about. Donovan Mitchell, um, you know, a rookie, someone who's played in their first season, uh, and this is season number two for Ben Simmons. Get over it. He didn't play in the league. Like, and I get that he's been exposed to practice, but you can do that. You don't even have to go to college to do that. There's, I can't remember the name of him now, but there's a, a high school guy who's um, not gone anywhere. He's just he's, he's left high school, and he's just working out, preparing for the NBA. I think there's two guys who are doing it. It's, oh, well, there's, uh, there's two guys. J- Jalen Leck and Charles Bassey. Yeah, the, the first one, Jalen. That's the yep. one I've heard of. And I'm just like, there are opportunities there. You do not have to go to college. It, that is your decision. You could you could go and start earning money straight away. And I get why they they don't. They stay they stay home. They know the culture. It's a it's a rite of passage to a degree going to, to college in the states it and is. playing and see that there's a huge sort of historical attachment to it. But then to go, well, he made this choice. He he made this conscious decision to go to college when that probably wasn't an opportunity that was afforded to Luca. And admittedly, he turned pro at what sixteen anyway, so he's a bit young for college anyway at that point. But you can't. There's two different paths. You can't then suddenly go, oh wait. He's played against men before, therefore he's not a rookie. That's just utter tosh. I would have sworn then, but I don't want whoever's editing this to have to beat me out. Um, it's yeah, I, I don't buy it at all. That is my take on it. Yeah, and I'm with you on that one. There, there's such an adjustment period for for both um, sides on this one that. Yeah, this is just a bunk argument. Um, one yeah. thing I will say though. Pretty cool seeing uh, the Atlantic Hawks getting getting some buzz all of a sudden, right? I mean, this is they've been a wasteland for for as long as I can remember. Nobody cares about the Hawks; they they don't get any any love ever. And they now pay, no now one, they got some no juice. One <laughs> no one cared for them when they got sixty wins and four uh, guys exactly. in the All Star. Yeah, <laughs> it's insane. But yeah, it's it's great. Um, I, I I still think Rookie of the Year is Rubio. Uh, Rubio? I'm reading my note no, from see, there. That's other taking it too that's, far, Mike. You, yeah, you can't do that. Far. He's been he was, in the league for like a yeah, decade. Yeah, he's I know he played overseas, <laughs> but come on. Let's, let's, uh, let's set uh, a, an established baseline in this one. You can play overseas, <laughs> but you're you're only a rookie your first year in the NBA. That, yeah, that is true. Touche. Uh, I thought I'd try and crowbar that in. No, obviously, I, I, I think Luca is Rookie of the Year. I think so, uh, too. Yeah. I, I think Trey has certainly um, 
shortened the gulf between them. But I still think there's there's a, there's a big jump there. Um, and if they get co-rookie of the year, I, I wouldn't be mad at it. I would. Don't <laughs> give me that co-rookie stuff. <laughs> Pick one. It's rookie of the year. It's not rookies of the year. It's rookie but, of the but year. But if Make the voting is split, the voting is split. Like, what could you do? Get... You can, have, you can have Speaker Burkow come in, order, order, and have him revote. Yeah, revote exactly. No, they should not, because I think this is good for creating rivalries. One of the things we complain about in the NBA now is that it's too friendly. It's too, you know, oh, we're 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 boys off the court. We, you know, we hang out in the off season. We do things. We've got these joint ventures together. You know, we tour China together in the summer to flog our shoes. Come on now, this this is a great opportunity to be like, haha. I got this award and you didn't. No, 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 no. And then you just start, you know, we could, this could be a way of starting rivalries. Just pick one. And do I think do you taunt is... your, your son the same way with na, 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 na? <laughs> yeah, he just thinks I'm singing though. It's great. <laughs> Especially when I've like got a bit of food in front of him that he can't have. Like. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Um, so, so let's leave uh, the rookies and go to someone who's definitely not a rookie. Um, Ernie Grunfeld. Long time general manager of the Wizards. Long, 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 long time. Um, finally fired. Uh, my first note on this is about time. Um, <laughs> what can you say about Ernie Grenfell? Um, I found Ted Leonis, um comments about the firing interesting. Uh, he tried to save some face for the franchise, talking about how they wanted to, you know, they were setting a standard of excellence. And I, that made me laugh because I don't remember <laughs> the last night in the Wizards to be close to excellence. Um, your thoughts on Grunfeld? So, so I think uh, Leonce's um, note was, is sort of um, a, a symptom of what went wrong for Grunfeld, right? They're committed to always making the playoffs, even if that means that they can only go so far in the playoffs. Um, typically when we talk about a GM's performance, we analyze the moves that they made that, that, uh, impacted personnel. Grunfeld's record wasn't great, but it also really wasn't ever disastrous. Um, he hit on the, on the three picks with, with Wall, Beal and, and Porter. He did a really good job in those drafts. Um, and, and he traded some first round picks for, for guys who did help them, and so, so I don't think he necessarily was a disaster on the personnel front, but what went wrong for him time and time again is that they were just, let's just be good enough to get to the playoffs. And they never set like, here is the culture that we want to have within the team. And you, you don't have that environment where guys are reaching their peak. They're, they're getting better, but they're not turning into the, the players that they could be. Um, I know I'm personally disappointed by the player that John Wall turned out to be. I thought he could be much, much better. Um, so I think this is this is more about the culture and the overall vibe in Washington than, oh, uh, well, he, he picked this player or traded for that guy. I think they need to come in, start fresh, and find a way to say, here's our long-term plan and vision. We're going to find someone that we could build around now that Wall's got uh, the injury and, and try to progress that way. Isn't that Grunfeld's responsibility, though, to right. set the and culture? Right, and that's where he went wrong, 100%. Uh, okay. But I don't think this is, oh, well, he, he's bad at, at evaluating talent, because I don't think that's the case. $64 million for Jan Mahimi? Okay, that was bad, I'll, I'll admit. <laughs> but everyone gets one. And that, uh, summer, that, summer was, that summer was crazy. 
It was a crazy summer. Um, he wasn't the only, the only one. Andre Blatch extension that was amnestied. Uh, I, I, Blatch is so preternaturally talented, though. I, it's, that's an easy one to, to make a mistake on. Okay. How, I mean, he doesn't get credit for drafting Blatch? Okay, well, uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. How much credit do you want to give him for Blatch, who ultimately, you know, still playing in, in, in Europe? And but, I mean, you, you look at Blatch's high watermarks. I mean, this is a guy who's averaged like 15 and, and 8. Uh, no, it was 17 and 8. He, he was averaging 17 and 8 at one point. Um, could get you a block and a steal a game. He could handle, he could pass, he could do a lot of things. That's an that's an easy guy to make a mistake on. No, oh, okay. I'll I'll accept that challenge back. Um what I found odd about it all is that the axe fell when he's so clearly been hampered this season by things beyond his control. So the wall injury, and we know that there has been um, unrest in the locker room. There always is mm-hmm. when walls involved and there are losses piling up. But still, they've always managed to to get some semblance of togetherness to, to make a, a stab at the playoffs. It just feels odd to me that you know you've hamstrung the franchise and 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 they were sort of boxed into this corner. They had to give him that. That's super max, in my opinion. Right. Because, you know, if you if you don't give your franchise player that that boost for for a sort of a loyalty thing, then 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 what's their incentive for staying and not going elsewhere? Um, and they, you know that's hamstrung them. It doesn't look good going forwards. It just it, uh, if I'd have fired him, it wouldn't have been at this point now. It would have probably been a year or so ago, probably more. No, I, and, and that's definitely fair. Um, and yes, it, it this, this needed to happen regardless. Yeah. I think that some of the things, as you mentioned, were out of his control. And yes, he oversees the whole operations and all that. If, if Wall, Beal, and Porter all take one more step forward during their development, mm-hmm. we're not having this conversation right now because that's a really, really, really good team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no, they were I agree close to, to that, but it just they didn't get to that last mountaintop. They've got they've obviously got big decisions to make this summer. Um, Bradley Beals is potentially yeah. in line for a supermax. Would and I've just said sort of, <laughs> how do you not give the franchise player a supermax? And and with Wall's injury and things like that, would and the way Bradley Beal has played subsequently. <laughs> So they you have to throw the money at him. You can't do it, right? I mean, you're you're basically capped out for the next five years, um, and you might not even be a playoff team. Um, I think they got to trade him. Yeah, which would be to give up a talent like that because he is an incredible talent and seems to have got his his uh, lower limb because he had lots of leg issues and he seems to have got them under control, yeah. playing a lot more games, playing a lot more minutes. Just an incredible talent. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do this summer and how they go forwards. Tommy Shepard has uh, has taken over in the interim. Um, Sixteen seasons in Washington. They love their loyalty. They do. Like before, it was Wes Unseld <laughs> beforehand who was there for like twenty years and had been there as a player, and it's just and he was perennially poor as well. Um, speaking of perennially poor. 
Phoenix Suns. So just before we uh, hit record, uh, Shams said, um, well, I don't even know why this was you know, needed a, a breaking news. <laughs> shutting uh, Devin Booker down for for the final three games of the season. And that, to me, that's not shutting him down. That's he he's actually just sprained his ankle. He's injured. He's out for three games. Yeah. Um, odd way of phrasing it. Let's talk about Devin Booker because he he's getting a lot of. You, you mentioned that the Hawks getting a lot of buzz. Booker is getting a lot of buzz at the minute. There are two sort of schools of thought. Ben Golliver of the Open Floor Pod uh, is in one corner. Zach Lowe of, of the, the Low Post, unsurprisingly, um, is very much in the other corner as to whether or not they think Booker is any good. What is your take? So we've seen this from Booker the last three years, actually. Um, after the All-Star break, he gets hot. He goes on a tear to, cl- to close the season. Um and I, I don't think that's a bad thing or a good thing. Um, where the conversation diverges is whether or not he can be a guy who, who, who's going to be an efficient enough scorer on a good, to be on a good team, right? And he's not that guy right now. But that doesn't mean he can't become that guy. He's shooting 32% from, from three this year. He's way better than that as a shooter. Mm-hmm. We know he is. So for me... If you get a dominant ball handler next to book next next to Booker, if Phoenix can get a real point guard in there, and Booker starts modeling his game off of Clay Thompson instead of Kobe Bryant, I think he could really be one of the most lethal scorers in the game and one of the most efficient scorers in the game. Yeah, he he has the potential to be. And has shown signs of being, and, and has in fact had some historic performances as a, as a scorer. He he is he, he's he's got the skill set to be a historic scorer. You're absolutely right. Um, I hate the buzz that this generates, though, for the, the the worst team in the league. Oh, he dropped 59, 50, and 48 in games back to back. Yeah, in losses where where and and this is what really bugged me that these points are not necessarily in the flow of the game they are deliberately fouling to get to inflate his point total and i just sit there and if if that was me you know because obviously i am also a historically you know historic talented scorer and you know if that was me i'd be embarrassed because i'd be like guys we're losing (laughs) what why don't we just try and win instead of trying to get me to score Let's, yeah. let's just do that. And I I feel like the Suns are wasting a potential superstar. Oh, I, um, I think so too, 100%. And I said earlier in the year, in fact, that I thought there's a real chance that they were going to trade him. I think um, with this outburst, though, I, I think they kind of are locked in at this point. Well, the thing, I want, I want Booker to be more vocal and disgruntled about this. Like, it's just, how can you stomach this for for four years this is the fourth season of just misery like they may not get to 20 wins this year they're 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 terrible and i'm i'm worried that you know he's got inefficiencies on on defense and they are magnified by the fact he is playing for a team that really can't be bothered to defend yeah and but there's part of me that worries that he'll become like um and not necessarily 
um, not necessarily mirror their games, but the same style um, of play as players, someone like Jamal Crawford and Lou Williams, who are just gunslingers and, you know, started off as, as, in, as, as scorers in their early in their career, not to the same level of greatness as Booker, but, uh, you know, years and years of just bad habits and whatever never developed other aspects of, of his of their game. I think Crawford specifically, and, and in fact, that they're on the same team worries me as well. If he's if he's got that <laughs> as his bet, but and, and I don't want to see that. I don't want to see us in in four years time looking at oh yeah, Booker's going to get six man of the year because he's come off the uh, he's come off the bench for I don't know. Let's uh, your Brooklyn Nets, let's say, and he's 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 averaging twenty six points, but you know your Nets are still a a, a middling team. I I, I just. I think there's a real chance here that, and I know that you know everything's down to chance anyway, but that a a potential superstar just gets washed. I, I think that's that's a fair concern, um, but but let's take a step back from what we're seeing from Booker on, on the floor and all the things that he's doing wrong. He's still only 22. That's number one. Since he's entered the league, uh, and he entered the league as a guy, he's like, okay, well, this is going to be your, your spot-up shooter. Well, he's proven to be much more than that. He mm-hmm. showed a very diverse scoring ability early on his first two years. And then the last two years, because Phoenix has been so terrible, um, he's had to learn to become a playmaker, and he has learned that. So he's developing new skills and um, becoming a more well-rounded player, at least on offense. Um, I do agree with you. The defense is a concern. The mentality is a concern. And it's something that Phoenix really does need to address this summer. It can't wait any longer. Um, they need to get a real point guard in there. Um, I know they're going to be in posi- position for Ja Morant. I-, I think, yes, that could be a fit. I'd prefer them get someone like Mike Conley in there to be a leader mm-hmm. and to guide yep. this team. Um, but if they could get that turnaround quickly... Uh, you might see a true superstar there. It, it would be, and I'm, call me a pessimist, but I, I would love to see him succeed in Phoenix. I just do not think, I think he'll end up moving on before he sees any sort of success. I think so too. And and if and to be honest, if if he goes into this summer, and I know he's, he's signed an extension and everything like that, if there isn't significant roster overhaul or... Um, a decent plan in place as to as to where this team is going to be i i would be pulling an ad on this i would be getting my agent to in public say get me out of here and honestly i I don't think phoenix would would hesitate that's a big contract and um Mm -hmm. they're not going to want to pay it if if they're not winning um we know sarver we know his deal um yeah Hopefully they do they do something good this summer though because they've got Booker, um, they've got Aiton, they've got a chance now. A chance. Yeah. A chance. But that's Come more on, than Phoenix. they've had. That's more than they've had since since the Nash era. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That that is true. Um, yeah, I I really hope they can get it together for 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 his sake. I because otherwise I think he's just going to be another player who. Yeah. constantly it's just, it's just it's just picked apart by by people like me yeah. um <laughs> so 
Uh, let's let's go on to game of the week then. So we've got three or four games left, depending on which franchise you are, before the regular season ends and the playoffs start. Um, what is your pick for game of the week? I, I know the obvious answer. I'm a Brooklyn Knight. It's going to be probably the most important game in terms of playoffs. Uh, that's Brooklyn-Miami. Um, for me, game of the week, Dallas at San Antonio – um, most likely to be Dirk Nowitzki's last game. Um, That's a great I, I, I know that, that Wade is also in that position. For me, Dirk's impact on the game and the likability factor through the roof, um, I, I think that's going to be just a really special night, not just for Mavs fans, not just for Nowitzki, but for the sport. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm in a weird place with Dirk in that he should have quit a couple of years ago in terms of uh, physically being out, you know, to go out at least with being able to put something on the floor. Like, and, and I know he can still do the odd thing now and again, <laughs> but at the same time, the NBA is going to be a worse place without his presence. Um, I find it odd that he's, he's not confirming whether or not he's going to go or, or stay. Uh, I kind of like him to stay, even yeah. though I said all of that, purely so that it just makes the uh, the addition as an all star even more ridiculous than it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a great shout. What do you what do you make to, of all this uh, Nowitzki Wade beef that's resurfaced in the past few weeks? Wait, they have beef. So stemming back to the 2011 finals, I believe. Um, and that you know they've they've said there's just comments being made. Uh, I, I keep seeing it on Twitter people sniping at Wade for his detrimental comments and tongue-in-cheek comments towards Nowitzki, and I'm just like, <laughs> it's interesting uh, that you know they swap jerseys. There has been a history of of not getting on. Um, I, I've got a feeling that Wade mocked him. Okay, so in one of the finals, here's the quote. I don't want to, this is from Wade, I don't want to be the guy to sit on the bench and the fans always have to chant, we want Wade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's the quote this week, um, which is which is funny because that's pretty much what Wade is doing anyway at the yeah. minute. Um, so, yeah, irony clearly lost on him. Um, I mean, these are two great players in terms of their bodies of work, but I love Dirk. I am going to miss him, even though I still think he should have gone a couple of years ago. I just feel like <laughs> I'm not even going to make the analogy I'm going to make. I was going to make because that it would have been terrible and really bad, uh, really bad radio. Well, um, now, but, well, now you have to do it. Well, now I have to. I was going to You're say it's a bit like when um, when your dog's getting really old and you have to make that decision, but you don't want to make that decision, and so you you put it off, and then you realise you probably should have made that decision a bit earlier well um, i'm gonna head out of work early and go hug my dog now <laughs> yeah exactly so um <laughs> um so there's there's a few good games left to go actually um so saturday at 10 p.m on sky sports arena your nets again against the bucks and that's that's you know these games are must win for the for, for the nets essentially and my my only way that i can see the Nets winning that is if if the Bucks, as I said at the start of the show, decide to rest some guys, um, as they did against Atlanta and lost. Just 
Um, I can't believe that. Tim Fraser played like 53 <laughs> minutes. That's insane. That's, more, that's probably more than his total minutes this season. Um, uh, I think there's a couple of games on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. Uh, Nuggets at Jazz and Rockets at Thunder. They're all going to be really interesting in terms of establishing the final pecking order for the playoffs. So I realize I've just given three games of the week, but there you go. Bonus, bonus games. Do you want to throw uh, Orlando and Charlotte onto your list too? We, well, we could do, <laughs> um, but I, I can't believe Charlotte is still hanging around. I mean, who, who do you think get the last two spots then out, out of those four? I don't think we quite got to that at the start. Um, I think Detroit and Orlando are in, and then whoever wins that Brooklyn Miami game. Ooh. Okay, so are you going to go watch it live? Um, probably no, not. Probably I, not. I don't think I can handle that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that would be intense. Are you, would you be disappointed given what they've done this season? Would you be disappointed if they didn't make the playoffs, or would you no. just be pleased? Uh, and, in all honesty, I'd rather have like the one in two hundred shot at at winning the lottery and getting Zion than getting yeah, well, my brains beat in by Milwaukee. <laughs> excellent um okay so we'll we'll leave it there uh <laughs> <laughs> if you're not already just a reminder again at double clutch uk email us admin at double clutch dot uk um review us on whatever podcast provider you're listening through right now if you want to hear more from jamie at just up on twitter from me mike miller underscore time and reminder to RSVP to the playoff party. We'll see you on April the 13th. You'll hear from us next week. We'll do something to about the playoffs. That seems appropriate time of year for it. Um, thanks for listening. Wait, I got something to plug. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Go for it then. So Double Clutch is working on a top secret project that's going to involve Matthew Wellington wearing a mask of a different NBA player every single night. So stay <laughs> tuned for that. Amazing. Matt doesn't know I this no yet, but going. this is happening. It's so top secret, Matt doesn't know. Uh, and yeah, you haven't heard from Matt in a, in a couple of weeks. Um, load management, um, <laughs> we've, we've shut him down till the playoffs just to get ready for it. So uh, there you go. Uh, he, but he's thanks really very much. just at obscure bars listening to obscure bands. It's just what he does. Yeah, that, that is what he does. Um, <laughs> that definitely is what he does. Okay, uh, thank you very much for listening. We'll catch you next time.